Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 8, Part 3 of The General History of the Pirates, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. The General History of the Pirates, Volume 1, by Charles Johnson. Chapter 8, Part 3. I shall run a description of the vegetables with their properties not only because they are the produce of this island, but most of them of Africa in general. The palm-trees are numerous on the shores of Africa, and may be reckoned the first of their natural curiosities, in that they afford them meat, drink, and clothing. They grow very straight to forty and fifty foot high, and at the top only have three or four circles of branches that spread and make a capacious umbrella. The trunk is very rough with knobs, either excrescencies or the healings of those branches that were lopped off to forward the growth of the tree, and make it answer better in its fruit. The branches are strongly tied together with a cortex, which may be unravelled to a considerable length and breadth. The inward lamella of this cortex, I know, are wove like a cloth at Benin, and afterwards dyed and worn. Under the branches, and close to the body of the tree, hang the nuts, thirty bunches perhaps on a tree, and each of thirty-pound weight, with prickly films from between them, not unresembling hedgehogs. Of these nuts comes a liquid and pleasant scented oil, used as food and sauce all over the coast, but chiefly in the windward parts of Africa, where they stamp, boil, and skim it off in great quantities. Underneath, where the branches fasten, they tap for wine, called cochra, in this manner. The negroes, who are mostly limber, active fellows, encompass themselves and the trees with a hoop of strong width, and run up with a great deal of agility. At the bottom of a branch of nuts he makes an excavation of an inch and a half over, and tying fast his calabash, leaves it to distill, which it does to two or three quarts in a night's time. When done, he plugs it up, and chooses another. For, if suffered to run too much, or in the daytime, the sap is unwarily exhausted, and the tree spoiled. The liquor thus drawn is of a wayish colour, intoxicating, and sours in twenty-four hours, but when new-drawn is pleasantest to thirst and hunger both. It is from these wines they draw their arrack in India. On the very top of the palm grows a cabbage, called so, I believe, from some resemblance its taft is thought to have with ours, and is used like it. 
the covering has a down that makes the best of tinder, and the weavings of other parts are drawn out into strong threads. Coconut trees are branched like, but not so tall as palm trees, the nut like them, growing under the branches and close to the trunk. The milky liquor they contain, to half a pint or more, is often drank to quench thirst, but surfeiting, and this may be observed in their way of nourishment, that when the quantity of milk is large, the shell and meat are very thin, and harden and thicken in proportion as that loses. Cotton trees also are the growth of all parts of Africa, as well as the islands, of vast bigness, yet not so incremental as the shrubs or bushes of five or six foot high. These bear a fruit, if it may be so called, about the bigness of pigeon's eggs, which, as the sun swells and ripens, bursts forth and discovers three cells loaded with cotton, and seeds in the middle of them. This, in most parts, the negroes know how to spin, and here at Nikongo and the island St. Jago how to weave into cloths. Thames are a common root, sweeter but not unlike potatoes. Kulalu, a herb like spinach, papa, a fruit less than the smallest pumpkins. They are all three for boiling, and to be eat with meat. The latter are improved by the English into a turnip or an apple tart, with a due mixture of butter or limes. Guavas, a fruit as large as a pippin, with seeds and stones in it, of an uncouth astringing taste, though never so much be said in commendation of it, at the West Indies, it is common for Creolians, who has tasted both, to give it a preference to peach or nectarine. No amazing thing when men whose tastes are so degenerated as to prefer a toad in a shell, as Ward calls turtle, to venison, and negroes to fine English ladies. Plantains and bananas are fruit of oblong figure that I think differ only secundum minor et minus, if any the latter are preferable, and by being less are juicier. They are usually, when stripped of their coat, eat at meals instead of bread. The leaf of this plantain is an admirable detergent, and, externally applied, I have seen cure the most obstinate scorbutic ulcers. Manioco, a root that shoots its branches about the height of a currant bush, from this root the islanders make a farine or flour, which they fell at three riles a roof, and drive a considerable trade for it with the ships that call in. The manner of making it is first to press the juice from it, which is poisonous, done here with engines, and then the negro women, upon a rough stone, rub it into a granulated flour, reserved in their houses either to boil, as we do our wheat, and is a hearty food for the slaves, or make it into a bread fine, white, and well-tasted, for themselves. One thing worth taking notice about Manioco in this island is that the woods abound with a wild, poisonous, and more mortiferous sort, which sometimes men, unskilled in the preparation of it, feed on to their destruction. This the missionaries assured me they often experimented in their hogs, and believed we did in the mortality of our sailors. Indian corn is likewise, as well as the farine, the manioco, and rice, the common victualling of our slave-ships, and is afforded here at one thousand heads for two dollars. This corn grows eight or nine foot high, on a hard reed or stick, shooting forth at every six inches height some long leaves. It has always an ear, or rather head, at top, 
of perhaps four hundredfold increase, and often two, three, or more midway. Here are some tamarind trees, another called cola, whose fruit, or nut, about twice the bigness of a chestnut and bitter, is chewed by the Portuguese to give a sweet gust to their water which they drink. But above all, I was shown the bark of one, whose name I do not know, gravely affirmed to have a peculiar property of enlarging the virile member. I am not fond of such conceits, nor believe it in the power of any vegetables, but must acknowledge I have seen sights of this kind among the negroes very extraordinary. Yet that there may be no wishes amongst the ladies for the importation of this bark, I must acquaint them that they are found to grow less merry as they increase in bulk. I'd like to have forgot their cinnamon trees, there is only one walk of them, and is the entrance of the governor's villa. They thrive extremely well, and the bark not inferior to our cinnamon from India. Why they and other spice in a soil so proper receive no farther cultivation is, probably, their suspicion that so rich a produce might make some potent neighbour take a fancy to the island. They have two winters, or rather springs, and two summers. Their winters, which are the rainy seasons, come in September and February or March, and hold two months, returning that fatness and generative power to the earth as makes it yield a double crop every year, with little sweat or labour. Hic ver avidum actque alignis mensibus aestas, bis gravida pecudes, bis pomis utilis arbos. Their first coming is with travados, that is, sudden and hard gusts of wind, with thunder, lightning, and heavy showers, but short, and the next new or full moon at those times of the year infallibly introduces the rains, which, once begun, fall with little intermission, and are observed coldest in February. Similar to these are rainy seasons also over all the coast of Africa. If there may be allowed any general way of calculating their time, they happen from the course of the sun as it respects the equinoctial only. For if these equinoxes prove rainy seasons all over the world, as I am apt to think they are, whatever secret cause operates with that station of the sun to produce them will more effectually do it in those vicine latitudes, and therefore, as the sun advances, the rains are brought on the wider and gold coast by April, and on the windward most part of Guinea by May. The other season of the suns, returning to the southward, make them more uncertain and irregular in northern Africa, but then to the southward again. They proceed in like manner, and are at Cape Lopez in October, at Angola in November, etc. The manner of living among the Portuguese here is, with the utmost frugality and temperance, even to penury and starving. A familiar instance of proof is in the voracity of their dogs, who, finding such clean cupboards at home, are wild in a manner with hunger, and tear up the graves of the dead for food, as I have often seen. They themselves are 